Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958. We hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifest in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles and they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits, and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show 
that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved. 
saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Matthew, the 18th chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Jerry from our Oceanside. Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon and evening to everyone. Let us all bow our hearts and minds in a moment of prayer. And let us thank our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, who has seen fit once again to bring us together. And we're so appreciative of what it is that Yahweh has done for us. He's opened up his purpose and opened up our hearts and our minds so that we can clearly see the truth. And we're very much appreciative of that. And we have the greatest opportunity of being able to lay hold on eternal life. And we're we're forever grateful for this opportunity. We just ask Yahweh that through your son, Yahshua, you manifest that divine nature that we all have come to love and appreciate. Have that manifested in our hearts, in our hearts and in our minds. And with the purpose of preaching Yahshua the Messiah to anyone within the sound of our voice, that will listen and hear and take heed. And we, uh, we just uh, are so thankful and have such great gratitude in our heart that we have been given this opportunity and we wanna take full advantage of that. We ask that you continue Yahweh through Yahshua to teach us what it is that you want us to know and pass it on to anyone that will hear us. And in the name of Yahshua the Messiah, we offer this prayer. Let us all say. Hallelujah. 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 Tonight I'll be reading Matthew the 18th chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name versions of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association. Matthew, the 18th chapter. At the same time came the disciples unto Yahshua, saying, Who shall be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Yahshua called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone be hanged around his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offense, for it must needs be that offenses come. 
but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if th thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into the fire of Gehenna. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my father which is in heaven. For the son of man is come to save that which was lost. Right. How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, to thee. But if he neglect to hear the assembly, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a transgressor. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Then came Peter to him and said, Rabbi, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times. And Yahshua saith unto them, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his master commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and entreated him saying, sire, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the master of that servant was moved, moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and beside him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their master all that was done. 
And then his master, after that, he called them and said unto them, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not have thou had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his master was very angry and then delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If he from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Bruce Geller. And we'll, our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse class and Dr. Reba Zahar from our Oceanside class. We'll have a three speaker format this afternoon. And our first speaker will be Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class. Thank you, Dave, and good afternoon and evening to everyone. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to be able to stand for the truth, stand up and give a reasonable testimony of the things which we uh, all have come to know. And I was just thinking about how that uh, before we came into class, I think if we are honest with ourselves, uh, we didn't know anything right. about our Heavenly Father, nothing. And for me, being that I was raised uh, in the Jewish uh, faith, uh, the Jews were the ones that were standing around Mount Sinai and received the covenants and the name and all of those things. And yet they really didn't know Yahweh. And uh, I didn't know him either. Like I've often said, when I thought about God, he was exterior to me, number one. Number two, he was up in the sky. I didn't look down, as it were. Although Yahweh is everywhere. But to me, he was as abstract as abstract could be. I, I really didn't... Uh, could honestly say that I didn't know him. I couldn't rely on him because you can't rely on something or someone that you don't know. And I can say that since I've come into this class, which it's been uh, a number of years and gone through a number of things, I'm grateful that Yahweh has brought me along and shown me some things about himself and his purpose. And I'm grateful for that because when you look back at where you were and where we are now, there's a great difference, a tremendous difference. Now we don't have to wonder or guess or speculate about God. We really can say within ourselves that we have been brought to a profound knowledge and understanding. And I'd like you to read if you would, because I've been thinking a lot about this because we have been talking in recent classes about the glory of Yahweh. So I would like you to get Jeremiah 9.23. Now this was one scripture that when I was in Hebrew school, I must admit I missed it. 
And the reason why I say that is, is when I was confirmed or what you might've heard bar mitzvahed, I had to get up in front of a congregation of a lot of old people, a lot of old people that came in from New York City to be a part of this bar mitzvah. But the point I was making is that I had to read out of one of the books to the prophets. And uh, I didn't know anything about uh, really the books of the prophets, except that they were in, in the Old Testament. But when I read it, it didn't really mean anything because it didn't connect to anything that I thought I understood. It just was, like I said, very abstract. Mm -hmm. Now, the purpose of this class is to bring any abstractions down into some kind of shape and form in our hearts and in our minds. Because when something is abstract, that means you really don't understand it and don't know it. And we have been given a great knowledge and understanding of our creator to such a point where we actually can rely on that spirit that he has given us. Yes. That Holy Spirit is referred to as a, a Holy Spirit of promise. Now, if you could read one of the readers, please read Jeremiah 9.23. Jeremiah 9.23. Thus saith Yahweh, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that mm -hmm. he understands and knows me. I see, folks. Thanks, Reba. That's where the glory is, folks. Mm -hmm. Is in knowing and understanding Yahweh through the Holy Spirit that he's given. Mm -hmm. And has been said here recently for a long time. Without that spirit, you just can't know mm -hmm. Yahweh. And I didn't know that either, that it absolutely necessitated the receiving of the Holy Spirit in order to have this knowledge and understanding that we just read about in Jeremiah 9.23. Mm -hmm. The glory, folks, is in the fact that it has now been brought into shape and form in our hearts and in our minds, and that we have the opportunity to manifest that divine nature that is such a gift and it is such a blessing if you could read for me second peter i believe it is the second chapter about exceedingly great and precious promises see when yahweh makes a promise folks or he gives his word uh unlike human beings that often give their word and make promises that they don't keep and I, you know, I can't sit here and say I've never done anything like that. I don't think you can either. Where every time you spoke that you would, I mean, that is ideally what we should be doing is when we give our word, it should be good. Yeah. Because it's a reflection of the nature that's inside of us. And Yahweh doesn't make promises he doesn't keep. Mm -hmm. If he did, folks, and didn't keep the promise that he made, which was putting his spirit in us, we would all be 
uh, in real trouble because Yahshua the Messiah is the only one, and we read it in the book all the time, and we'll get it again if we have to, but he is the only one that knows the Father, and that's why he is the only mediator between Yahweh and man. As Moses was a mediator between Israel and Yahweh, Yahshua the Messiah is the true mediator of the new covenant, which is having his spirit in us. Quite frankly, when I was in the Jewish faith, I couldn't wait to get out of there. Uh, and I know that probably sounds crazy, but I'm sure if a few of you that went to church probably felt the same. You know, we were just doing what our parents uh, wanted us to do. My my parents wanted me to be raised, uh, even though they were not religious themselves. They sent me to a Orthodox synagogue and a, and, uh, a Hebrew school from the time I was a young boy until... Uh, uh, later on till about the sixth grade. And uh, I can honestly say that I didn't know, really know anything about Yahweh, not even his name. Now you would think that sitting in some kind of religious training, that somewhere along the line, you might've heard the name Yahweh. I had to come down to one of these classes that we are now attending to hear the name of Yahweh, never so much as even heard it. It's been in the dictionary long before any of us were born, folks, that Yahweh is the name of the Father. So it's been known, but it, and at the same time, they didn't teach it to me. In mm -hmm. fact, they taught me that whenever I saw the Tetragrammaton, which is the four-letter yud hey vav hey in Hebrew, that when I came across that word, that I would uh, automatically think and say Adonai, which means my Lord, which is a title. That's not his name. And his name has great significance. Mm -hmm. The name Yahweh itself means to be or to breathe. It denotes existence itself. So that name, I never heard. No one ever told me anything about it. And I had to come down to a class with a bunch of goyim. And I say that very lovingly, of course. It's a, it's a term of endearment. But I had to come down and have a bunch of Gentiles teach me about the purpose of of Yahweh. And yes, as Jerry was just saying from across the room, these were the true Jews, the real ones of which my affiliation was just a type and a shadow. But as Paul said, he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. And I must say that that's all I was, was a Jew uh, in outward appearance only. But a true Jew I had to be converted, and it talks about conversion in the scripture that we read tonight, but we all have to go through a conversion, folks. That's a change, right. a change of the heart and a change of the mind.
And thanks be to Yahweh that he provided this conversion to take place in us. Otherwise, we would be back at square one, which is square one, meaning we came into the room ignorant and dead inside where it really counts. We didn't know Yahweh. We were in the dark where Yahweh was concerned. I was, and I think that you probably would have had to admit to the same thing. And isn't it a wonderful thing that we've been brought to a place where we can say beyond any shadow of a doubt that it was the truth that moved us and that touched us and that meant something to us and still does the truth. Now that's Yahshua the Messiah himself is the truth. And we're so blessed beyond even words able to express how fortunate we are. And by the way, we didn't do anything to deserve this. Not one single thing. Isn't that something, folks, that it would be out of his mercy and out of his grace that he would choose each and every one of us to be a partaker of this truth. It's amazing. And to think that we had something to do with that would be as ludicrous as it would be, and I was thinking about this during the week, that before you're born, you don't have anything to do with your own birth, folks. Either do, either do I. In other words, I didn't look up from some place and say, I would love to be born into the Geller family. Uh-uh. You don't have any choice of being born in the first place and who you, quote, belong to, as it were, or what the family name is. You were just born into it. And so the same thing applies in the spirit. We all have to be born again, and we all have to be converted. We have to have a change of heart and a change of mind. And through this knowledge and understanding that we've been given, this process is taking place. It's an ongoing process. You don't learn, and then all of a sudden, you stop learning. It's ongoing. And it even mentions in the book that in the ages yet to come, we will learn of Yahweh's love towards us. And I'm trying to remember where that is. If anyone knows uh, where that is, because it's such a beautiful second chapter. I should have known, Sasha. Thank you. Can you repeat that again, Ephesians? One more time, Sasha. Ephesians second chapter, around verse five, six or so. Okay, Ephesians two, five, and six. If somebody could get that. Ephesians two and five. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Yahshua. By grace you are saved. Now listen, has... folks. Listen to that. I'm sorry, Sharon. Listen to that. Right. When we were dead in our sins, when we were ignorant, when we didn't know anything, Yahweh quickened us, it says. 
Mm-hmm. Took me a long time, by the way, sitting in class. I thought quicken means it happens quick. That's not what quickening is. Quicken means to be made alive. So while we were sitting in a chair, having the gospel preached to us, we became alive Mm -hmm. inside. When it is that when we walked in the room, we were dead. And we were in our sins, folks, too. We were offensive. And Yahweh forgave us, folks. And we read about that in that scripture about the servant that was shown mercy. And then he turned around and the same mercy that was shown to him, he wouldn't show to somebody else. That's a scary thing, folks. That's a scary thought. Now we're supposed to forgive one another of faults that we see or things that we, none of us has got the story all we got it all together. We, we don't know everything. We make mistakes. We fall down and then we have to be picked back up. We have to be corrected. And thanks be to Yahweh that he's corrected us before it's too late. Corrected our hearts and our minds, which before we came into class, they were, I don't even have the word to... This, how about despicable to start with? We were despicable, folks. Now read that again, Sharon, and I'll try with everything in me not to interrupt you. Okay. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Yahshua. Mm. By grace are you saved. You're saved by grace, folks, which means, now listen to this word because it's very important, unmerited. You know what unmerited means? It means there ain't nothing you're going to do about it. Merit means that you earned it. You worked for it. And none of us did that, folks. None of us earned our own salvation. It was given unto us as a gift, a free gift. It's free. No, but you know what I'm saying? It's it's nothing that you can derive of yourself. It has to be given to you. And he's quickened us. He's made us alive, folks. He's the one that's birthed us. Go ahead, Sharon. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Yahshua the Messiah. Actually, what I want, and maybe you haven't got to it yet, is where he said that in the ages to come, he would show his... That's um, the next next verse. Verse see, 7. I, I, I couldn't wait, Sharon. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians 2 and 7, that in mm-hmm. the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, who in this, in their right mind, doesn't like kindness? <laughs> please, please tell me that. That's one uh, uh, of the attributes of the Holy Spirit, folks, yeah. is kindness. And it's one of the aspects of love. Yeah. Who does, who does, pushes aside kindness and says, ah, 
Go your own way. I don't want that. <laughs> who, who doesn't like to have kindness bestowed upon them? And it talks about how that in the ages to come, Yahweh would show us even more, folks, than he's shown us now. He would show the exceeding great, what does it say, Sharon? Uh, exceeding riches of exceeding his grace. riches of his grace. Yeah. And his, his kindness. kindness. Oh my goodness. Isn't that something, folks? Doesn't that make should that make you feel good? It <laughs> makes me feel good, folks. It gives me comfort. It gives me something to look forward to in this wicked age, folks, that we're in right now. And I'm telling you, for those of you that haven't seen the news, I just thought I'd throw this out to you. And none of us are shocked anymore at what goes on. Because Yahshua called it when he said that such in the, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man, folks, which is imminent. Yeah. Right. And that is the fact that violence is in the earth like it never has been. If you check the news today, some of you already know this, that 12 people or 10 or 13, one of the have been murdered in Buffalo, New York at a supermarket, just going about their business. And somebody just shot them right. for no reason, you know, for whatever reason, I shouldn't say for no reason, no apparent reason, but it's amazing the kind of wicked world that we're in folks. Yeah. And the only bright spot in it is Yahshua, the Messiah. That's that light right. in the darkness. And folks, it is dark out there. Think about how dark it was in our hearts and our minds before we were given some knowledge and understanding. That's, that's a darkness, by the way, that can be felt. When you're walking around in this thing, being the only light, and that's because of Yahshua in it, you see how dark it is. And it's so loaded with violence and injustice and hate. And I'm telling you, just the last couple of years since the plague, it's since the uh, plague, I call it, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? The, uh, what, what's it called? Pandemic. Uh, that's right, the pen, thanks, Reeb. Uh, it's come to my attention how dangerous misinformation can be misinformation, disinformation, lying, rumors, all the things that Yahweh has brought us away from. Misinformation never did anybody any good. And for someone to come along now at the end after we've learned what we've learned in this teaching, come along and say that Yahshua was just a man, or that he really, eh, no big deal. They've actually made a, what they call in the movie industry, a bit player out of him. Instead of recognizing that Yahshua the Messiah himself, he's the star of the show. He's the producer of the show. He's the director of the show. He's not some bit player, folks. He's the one that got up on that cross and died what we call the death of an outcast dog for us, 
while we were yet in our sins, Yahweh loved us so much that he got up. That was Yahweh, folks, in that body. Right. That got up on that cross and shed his blood for us, folks. And when I was a kid, when I heard stuff about Jesus like that, it went over my head. What do you mean Jesus got up? A lot of people got up on the cross. Kirk Douglas, a Spartacus, got up on the cross. What does that mean? But when we come into class, we come to realize and recognize just who Yahshua the Messiah really is, folks. Because in 1 Timothy 3.16, we read about how that Yahweh himself was manifest in the flesh, seen of angels, preached unto the nation, unto the Gentiles, received up into glory. That was Yahweh, folks, himself in that body that died for us, folks. That's something, ain't it? Would you die for somebody? Well, you know, a lot of people love enough, I would say, that they would die for their children or they would do certain things. Sacrifice, and many people have sacrificed certain things. Mm-hmm. But Yahshua the Messiah, folks, his purpose was that spirit that was in him had to be poured out on those people that would be beneficiaries of the promise that he made to Abraham, where he said he would bless all nations. He would bless through his seed. He would bless Abraham's seed as the stars of heaven and as the sands of the sea. Sometimes, folks, we forget how many brethren we have. There are so many that they're innumerable. You can't even count them. And we have been blessed to be counted as one of those, folks. And that's something you don't ever want to let go of. That's a promise that he made, and he keeps his promises. Has he given you some knowledge and understanding of him? Yes. You can't deny that, and neither can I. We have a great adversary, though. I'm telling you, he's, he's good for the purpose that he was set up for. He tries to discourage us, tries to get us to doubt. But it's through the spirit of Yahshua that we have the strength, been given the strength to overcome the wiles of the adversary. And he's got, as Paul said, he's got a bag full He's got so many different ways that he can sit down. You know, I remember first coming into class, and Carl will be able to uh, verify this, but I remember hearing that Dr. Bobby Sikelsky said, you don't, uh, and correct me, Carl, if you if so choose to, said that, uh, that you don't just sit down with the devil and play poker and think you're, think you're going to beat him, folks, because... I, we don't have the ability to stand against the wiles of the devil unless Yahshua intervenes and fights the adversary for us. And I know it's, and I hope I didn't screw that up too, too bad, but I, I think you get the point that we need, and we've been told this lately more than ever, that we need help. Yeah. Yahweh himself is our helper, folks. We can't help ourselves. We don't have the ability to do it. We don't have the ability like an eagle to be able to look down from thousands of feet above the earth and see a rodent 
traveling down there that I'm going to grab, that they're, they're going to grab. They have binocular vision. It's not within our capability to do something like that. You can go up in a plane and try it if you want to, but we just don't have the capacity to do this on our own. And hence, because of that, hence I'm using old English now, we don't, we have been given the spirit that gives us this knowledge and understanding. We don't get it of our own. And we can't, here's the thing. And the sooner we learn this, the better. We can't help ourselves. We just don't have that ability. Therefore, we need the spirit to help our infirmities and to help us see. Is there any more there, Sharon? Because I was talking about how that Yahweh is going to show us in the ages yet to come about his loving kindness towards us. Okay. Um, I guess that's really the point that I was yeah. trying to get to. Second Peter, one and three. Yes, thank you, Reba. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. He's given that to us, Reba, right? Is that what it says? Yes. Or does it say that we acquired that on our own? No. He gave it. He gave everything to us that pertains unto life. In him, in Yahshua, was life. And still is, by the way, and is the light of men. That's where it is, is in Yahshua. That's where all the treasures that Yahweh has laid up are all laid up in Yahshua. That's why it's so important that Yahshua be in our hearts and our minds and we be in him because that's where the, that's where the treasure is. That's where, Dr. Geller. Thank you. That's where life is, is yeah. in him. So to be outside of him means that you don't have life. And folks, that's where we were when we came into class. We didn't have life. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know that Yahweh was going to give us the true life. Yeah, we were physically walking around. Our hearts were beating. Our brain waves were working. We thought we were cool. We were alive. But we were dead inside when it came to our creator. We were dark inside. It was darkness in there. We couldn't have told anybody about Yahweh any more than the man in the moon. Mm -hmm. So we had to be sat down and taught by the real teacher, folks. Now, who's that? John 14, 26. I think I'll end with this. I really kind of wanted to work with that chapter that we had read, but I didn't. I sticking with the stuff I know, mm -hmm. which is what my advice to everyone is. And don't make anything up. Do yourself a favor. You know what I mean by that? In other words, my theory, concept, and opinion is not worth the powder to blow it up. You may or may not know that, but I know that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to hear my theory on something, do you? Who am I? 
And what makes my theory to be right? We're not, we're not basing our, our eternal life on theories, folks, or what people think. We want to know what has been said many times, doth saith Yahweh. That's what we want to know. Give me John 14, 26. I'll end there. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. Hold it, Sharon. Sharon, thanks. Boy, you're good. And I keep interrupting you, but I'm just, I'm recognizing the fact that we didn't have, that we're being comforted now. Yahshua himself is the comforter. He's what gives us comfort, is that spirit. That's why it's so important that the spirit be in you is right. Not a vital force upon you, but something that's inside of you that won't let you go, and neither will you let it go. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Sharon. But the comforter, the comforter which, mm-hmm. which is the Holy Spirit, yeah. the Father will send in my name, right. he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, where is it that he's the teacher? Did I get the wrong one, or did you just say it? Oh, he shall teach you all. Thank you. Thank you. Spaced it for a second. Yahshua is the teacher, is my point. Mm -hmm. So when people say, well, I'm not a very good teacher, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. We're not the ones doing the teaching of our own selves. It's the spirit. It's the spirit that's doing everything. And... I'm just so grateful to be a part of this class because I was one of those sheep that went astray, folks. And Yahweh, because of his mercy and because of his loving kindness towards me, pulled me out of a situation where had I continued to go down that path could have been destructive. And yet he grabbed me and pulled me out of a out of the miry clay, as it says, and Proverbs, the 40th chapter, or Psalms, the 40th chapter, and and resurrected me from the dead, literally from the dead, and I'm so grateful. I just uh, uh, want to uh, encourage everyone to continue on in this class. Continue asking Yahshua within yourself for the, the for the help that we all need so that we can endure unto the very end and then Yahweh's can say to us that we are his children and that he is happy to call us in as it were to his kingdom actually we're in his kingdom right now but he's he's guiding us folks and he's watching us and he's not allowing any harm to come to us. Does that mean that we're not going to hit the dirt? No, all of us are going to take this flesh off. But as long as Yahshua the Messiah is in there before that takes place, that's all we should be focused on is just having Yahshua keep our minds on, on the spirit and not on the flesh, because I can say this from personal experience. And I think you can, too, that when your mind is on the spirit, things go a lot better. <laughs> anyway, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to have something to say. And hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Dr. Geller. And our next speaker will be from our Madison class, Dr. Sasha Rachmilovich. Uh, good evening, everyone. Can you hear me well? Yes, Sasha. Yes. Well, it's, uh, thank you. It's, uh, uh, it's honor and uh, privilege to be a part of this uh, gathering and to give a testimony about uh, Yasha, the Messiah. And as, as Bruce, I'm also very happy to be a part of this uh, mm -hmm. teaching. So in the beginning, uh, I would like to uh, convey to your best regards from the brethren in uh, Crimea, Russia, who I uh, talk almost every week and uh, they ask me, you know, to tell, to, uh, to relate to you their best regards. So they're doing uh, okay. They kind of between, <laughs> kind of in the midst of the war, but the war is not touching them as far right. as, you know, as uh, death and other things goes. Uh, you know, other things may affect them uh, later on, like uh, uh, restrictions imposed on Russia and so forth. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to let you know that they are in the spirit with us. They believe uh, the names of Yahweh and Yashra. Uh, we always talk about, you know, their names and uh, they know that... Uh, you know, the purpose is, uh, you know, in the spirit. That's what counts. It's a spiritual salvation, salvation of the soul. So I, I really enjoyed what uh, Bruce was uh, talking about. And uh, I think what I will do, there are a couple things in the scripture reading, which I was thinking about while the scripture was read. And hopefully I will be able to address uh, them. So let's go to the scripture reading, which is Matthew 18th chapter. And let's start reading from the beginning. Matthew 18 and one. At the same time came the disciples on Yahshua saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Yahshua called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Continue on. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Thank you. You're welcome. Well, um, so uh, the disciples is asking who is the greatest uh, in the kingdom. And, uh, you know, they were thinking about uh, uh, themselves, you know, as well. So maybe I am closer uh, to the Messiah or I may know better, or there is a, you know, one disciple who Yahshua loved or Peter is the 
apparently the oldest uh, uh, of them, elder. So who is going to be uh, the greatest? And Yasha said, well, you have to humble yourself or to humble yourself, to lower yourself, to be like a little uh, child to enter the kingdom because they had some kind of a, a pride in them uh, at that time. But what does it mean, uh, Yasha's words? Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what are the, uh, what do we know about uh, the little children and uh, from the physical standpoint and how to relate it uh, to the spirit? Now, if, uh, and it's uh, really applying, you know, one of the main rules which Dr. Kinley, uh, the founder of this uh, school taught us, and he didn't teach us anything new, it was uh, always in the Bible. It's Romans 1, 19 and 20, which basically say and take uh, the physical things or the things which are created, they reveal uh, spiritual things. So if you think about the little children, like uh, infants and uh, uh, toddlers. So the features of little children, it's uh, like simplicity. It's one of the main uh, feature, innocence. And they're very trusting. They know that mom and dad will uh, take care of them. That's right. and, uh, and so there are different characteristics of the little children and Yasha wants us to have this uh, faith uh, in uh, uh, our uh, creator that he is going to take uh, care uh, of us. Now, the difference between us and little children, uh, well, the similarity is, it's to have this strong faith. The difference is that uh, in children, it's, uh, it's, it's faith, it's not really a, you know, built on, uh, on knowledge. And uh, for us, it, it builds on uh, knowledge and understanding of our Heavenly Father. And that's how we develop in the trust uh, and, uh, and strong faith. But the common thread, it's to heaven, heaven, this uh, trust. Now, adults, uh, another thing, is uh, so uh, uh, adults often, you know, think about their achievements. They want to uh, achieve something. They want to prove their worthiness. Uh, and adults want to be in control of the situation. Now the little children, they don't want to be in control of the situation. I mean, when they're really little, because again, they trust you know, they, um, uh, they father and, uh, and mother. And that's what we need uh, to understand as well, that our heavenly father is taking care of us. So we cannot achieve salvation by our own hand, by our own uh, merit. So if you, uh, continue reading uh, where you were in uh, Ephesians in second chapter. 
So you you stopped uh, in verse seven, I think, but uh, continue reading in verses eight and nine. Mm. Ephesians two and eight. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, for it is the gift of Yahweh, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right. So salvation is by grace. It's not by our strife. It's not by our achievements. And uh, the infants are taken care of. They are saved from uh bad uh, elements of uh, nature and uh, other things by uh, care of uh, of the parents. There is nothing they did, you know, to really deserve this uh, care. And uh, because it's, uh, it's in Yahweh's heart, this word philoprogenitiveness, uh, which means instinctive love for, this, uh, for his uh, offsprings. And that's what he has uh, uh, towards us as to uh, little children. Now, another uh, feature of, uh, of a child is the child uh, and uh, doesn't have as the, uh, as Bruce first speaker was talking about, about theories, concepts, and opinions. So that's what adults do. The child, ch children, little children don't have serious concepts and opinions. They are very trusting, but they do want to know, especially toddlers. You know, the questions they ask all the time, why, why, why the sun is hot? Why this thing is happening? Why this thing is happening? And it was one of the uh, things which, uh, which really drawn me to this teaching when I started coming to these classes is that I have a, a head and still have very inquisitive mind. And I wanted to know why. And I would ask the questions why in the churches, uh, like why, for example, I remember the question I had, uh, uh, well, actually, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so in the, uh, during the Passover time, if you can uh, zoom on this uh, Moses chart, please. So during Passover, uh, time, uh, Yahweh said that uh, uh, he will uh, bring the uh, plague of death of the firstborn uh, on uh, uh, Egyptians, so on those who don't have uh, 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 the lamb, uh, or the blood of the lamb uh, on the door. And we read in the Old Testament of the Bible that uh, Yahweh sent his angel to kill innocent babies in Egypt, the firstborn. And I didn't understand why, because in the New Testament, in the Bible, in 1 John 4th chapter, it says that God, as I knew him back then, that God is love. Mm -hmm. But in the Old Testament of the chapter, uh, you know, the same God uh, is killing innocent babies. So, and... Uh, I remember when to, uh, at the time I was in an evangelical church in Madison, and I went to the pastor with the same question, why it happened. And the pastor said, well, we really don't know, but uh, most likely uh, God 
uh, sees in the future, he knows what's going to happen. He knows that these babies are going to grow up and become the enemies of Israelites. So it was kind of a preemptive you know, strike on, on these uh, babies. That's the explanation uh, I was uh, given, which didn't satisfy me. But when I came to class and I had the same question, why? And Yashua uh, answered this question, most likely uh, through some of the uh, speakers uh, which were uh, uh, brought uh, on the floor. And uh, because we need to understand from the spiritual standpoint what firstborn represents. Mm -hmm. And firstborn represents us, you know, when we are uh, uh, born in this world, our soul we are born with is the firstborn. But this soul is not going to inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. So the firstborn is not going to inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. How do I know that? Well, if can, could you please zoom um, on the Moses chart? Thank you. So in this uh, track of children of Israel, uh, the track of children of Israel from uh, Egypt to Canaan's land represents or manifests the journey of our soul from uh, the captivity of this world yeah. to the promised land, which is the kingdom of heaven or eternal life. So Canaan's land is uh, the type of eternal life. Now, Yahweh called Israel in Exodus fourth chapter, he called Israel, my son, my firstborn. Now, 600, uh, uh, five, 603,550, if I'm not mistaken, people uh, of 20 years and older who were counted uh, came out of Egypt. But none of these people except two ended up in Canaan's land. Why? Because the firstborn cannot uh, inherit the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, it was, uh, you know, the, the firstborn, it's, uh, it's, it manifests the soul, you know, the natural soul of the people. Now, to be saved, for our soul to be saved, uh, if we look at the example of the children of Israel, we have to put the blood of the lamb on the door. What door? In our house we're living in? No, on the door of our soul. Uh, please go to Revelation 3 and 20. Revelation 3 and 20, you said? Yes, please. Revelations 3 and 20. <clears throat> Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will suck with him and he with me. Right, so it's Yahshua is saying, and he is knocking in our door. He is knocking in uh, on our soul, on our heart, on our mind, when we come and hear the gospel. 
being preached. And if we open the door, or if we let this teaching to become a part of us, he will come and he will sup with us. And, and that's what he is doing. And that's what we're doing in, his, in this class. We're doing actually what Yasha told his disciples to do uh, before his crucifixion. You remember during so-called Last Supper, which was the fulfillment of Passover. I don't have time to go there. He broke the, the bread and uh, said, do it in remembrance of me. Mm -hmm. Now the bread uh, signifies uh, the teaching because uh, in Deuteronomy, uh, uh, our creator said that man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word which comes out uh, of the mouth of uh, Yahweh. And mm -hmm. then Yasha in sixth chapter of John saying that I am the bread of life and who eats this bread will have eternal life. So the bread is the gospel, is the teaching. And here in class, we're breaking down the bread or we're uh, kind of explaining and uh, teaching the gospel of Yasha the Messiah in simplicity. So uh, that's, that's what we do. So the uh, uh, first, uh, 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 the, the children of Israel had to put the blood of the lamb on the door or to accept the death, burial, resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah. And then they went to the wilderness. And what happened in the wilderness? What happened in the wilderness it's that the first generation had to die and it was replaced by the children, by the second generation. And second generation inherited the Canaan's land. As Yahshua told Nicodemus in uh, John third chapter that uh, you have to be born again to, mm -hmm. uh, to see the kingdom of heaven. You know, the same thing he's saying or similar thing he is saying in the scripture reading in 18th chapter, he's saying, except you be converted and become as little children, you mm -hmm. shall not enter into the uh, kingdom of heaven. So the uh, children of Israel, the first, uh, you know, the, the soul of them, if you take Israel as the whole, you can see the picture of the conversion in the wilderness, meaning the old, self or the first generation is dying off and being replaced and changed into uh, the second generation but it's the same genotype uh, genes so it's it's the same israel it's just you know physical representation of being born again look at another example on the same chart with the same uh, story now when the children of israel uh, were coming out, uh, out of Egypt. Okay. Yahweh spoiled the Egyptians. So the Egyptians gave uh, children of Israel uh, gold, silver, and uh, different riches. So this riches, let's, let's focus on gold. So this gold, even in the scriptures, it's typifying uh, riches. So it's a type and shadow of spiritual riches, which I will talk 
about later on. But what happened? So they taken this gold coming out of uh, uh, Egypt. But what kind of gold they took from Egypt? Now, it was the gold. It was different jewels. It was different necklaces. It was different earrings. And back then, these uh, uh, jewels and earrings, they were made or fashioned in a type of the culture. Uh, they were in in a type of in the Egyptian culture, uh, so having these different idols or different uh, Egyptian uh, gods, uh, gods, you know, with these jewels. So they coming out uh, of Egypt with this gold fashioned uh, as Egyptians deities. Now Yahweh had the purpose for this gold. The purpose for this gold, it's not for Israel to become rich and to buy weapons, but the uh, purpose for this gold is to use it for uh, the building of this tabernacle. And how this gold uh, would be used for building this tabernacle, this gold had to be melted. And when this gold was melted, then from this melted gold, you know, the uh, lampstand, uh, the uh, uh, figurines of uh, cherubs or archangels and other golden vessels were built. So what do we see? We see that the children of Israel are coming out from Egypt with the gold, you know, uh, fashioned in, a, uh, you know, in the false, with the false images. So it would be likened uh, uh, to us coming out of the world, coming to class, because the wilderness uh, is likened to the uh, class when the children of Israel had this uh, uh, conversion taking place and when the law was given and given the law, it's the type of uh, learning in class because Yahweh revealed what he likes, what he doesn't uh, like. So this reaches and we're coming out of uh, the world as we think we are as adults. So let's say we know the Bible. The Bible verses would be likened to the gold. Now there is nothing wrong with the Bible verses. What's wrong is the way this Bible verses is fashioned in our mind. By, uh, by the Pharaoh or the prince of this world or by the religious leaders which were, uh, we were under, like in Catholic church and other church. So this script, the verses in the uh, scriptures, you know, are fashioned in the way, uh, you know, let's say Yahshua uh, uh, said that uh, uh, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And uh, these verses, which is gold, because it's real treasure, the words of Yahweh, but it's fashioned in the mind of the people in the Catholic Church and the Protestant churches as, look, this is the witness for the Trinity. 
that this Jesus is talking about the Trinity because it's the Father, it's the Son, it's the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Trinity, and that's what this verse is talking about. So it's fashioning the gold into this erroneous concept. And we're coming uh, you know, to class and we think we know something. We think we know the, who God is, what God wants from us, that we uh, this, we that. So it can be related to the Bible verses. It can be related to who we consider ourselves to be in life in general. Have our, we making our name, whether in our profession or whatever it is. Now what Yahweh has to do, he has to break it down. Like he is breaking down the gold, he is breaking it down so we are becoming like little children. So he is stripping us off this erroneous concept. Jesus has to go because there is no letter J in Hebrew in Latin language. Uh, Trinity has to go because we are presenting the witnesses showing this is uh, uh, numerous witnesses, cloud of witnesses, as Paul said in uh, uh, Hebrews 12 and 1. Mm -hmm. So that uh, uh, Yahweh is unity. He is not in Trinity. So we are kind of down to our core. So we still remember the Bible verses, but they're not fashioned. They're kind of stripped of this uh, you know, erroneous concept. And then Yahweh is building or fashioning these Bible verses or what we know or our knowledge into correct understanding. That's what tabernacle symbolizes. The tabernacle symbolizes Yahshua because tabernacle is the vessel of salvation, like Yahshua was the vessel of salvation. And everything is this tabernacle is the picture of Yahshua the Messiah. So he uh, uh, fashions our soul or our mind in the proper image, in the true image of uh, Yahweh in Yahshua. And that's how we can inherit the uh, Canaan's land or have eternal life because the eternal life is to know uh, our uh, Heavenly Father and Yahshua the Messiah whom he has sent. This is John 17 and three. And similar things is happening with people uh, in classes. We heard testimony of several people, including the uh, previous speaker that uh, they were uh, in class and they got swayed into a different uh, teaching. And uh, so the concept is became fashioned into very uh, strange and erroneous concepts. And uh, what, what these people had uh, to do to come back to the true understanding uh, of the gospel as their testimony was, and I think have one person in mind, uh, Kathy Hull's testimony, I remember she said, I had to go back and I really had to go back to the basics just to forget everything I know and go to really, really basics of the teaching and start building from scratch, pretty much. Yes. And that's what it is. You have to be converted. 
and to become like little uh, children. And then Yahweh can build upon this. And when we are converted, we understand the true mission of Yahshua, the Messiah, who came to save our sins. Now, this, uh, and this is in the Bible, that Yahshua came to save us from our sins. Now, this is not un understood uh, in uh, most of Christian world, because in the Christian world, they uh, say that, uh, well, Jesus came uh, to uh, forgive us from our sin. But uh, if you believe uh, in Jesus, if you come uh, to church, to the church, you are saved, but you still keep sinning. That's what they teach because you have to go to confessions in Catholic church and Lutheran church and even in uh, evangelical churches they teach this way, which is not true because according to the Bible and I understand I don't have time, I have a few minutes left and I want to address something else uh, uh, if I have time. But according to the Bible, uh, if the Yahshua, he does uh, forgive our sins, but not only that, he gives us his righteousness. To, mm -hmm. I see five minutes left. To the extent that those who believe, truly believe Yahshua, or those who are born again, they do not sin because they cannot commit sin because the spirit is still in them. This is First John, third chapter, verses from six uh, to nine. And, uh, and in some of the uh, classes, I, I won't you know, say what classes, but they uh, you know, have uh, doctrines that uh, your, your soul cannot be saved. Yahshua cannot save you. They, there is a doctrine of replacement, mm. not of conversion. But it's not the doctor, you know, all the witnesses and some of them I mentioned, plus the, the witnesses uh, in the physical creation. I remember after the Second World War, there were many tanks uh, remained after the war. And what they had to do instead of throwing away these tanks, they converted these uh, tanks. They used these tanks and modified from the function of destruction or killing people to, uh, to the machines, you know, to go to the field and, uh, and help, you know, to, you know, to plant uh, the seeds, uh, you know, to plow, to plow the ground. That's a conversion because the same thing, you know, changing appearance and changing different function. In the mm -hmm. three minutes which I have, uh, I just had it on my mind. Uh, go to scripture reading, Matthew 18, uh, chapter and uh, start with verse 21. Then came Amen. Peter to him and said, Master, how oft shall my brother sinned against me and I forgive him till seven time? Yahshua saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven time but until 70 times seven. Right, there. and how, can, thank you. And how can we understand that? And for people, if people 
read without understanding the purpose of Yahweh, they, you know, they cannot forget, uh, forgive their uh, offenders and they say, uh, I, I cannot do it. I mean, I, I don't have this kind of patience, 70 times seven. But he's not, Yash is not talking about patience. Let's go to Daniel, Daniel uh, 9 and 24. Mm -hmm. Daniel 9, 924. 924. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 924. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Thank you. So this is the prophecy about Yahshua the Messiah. So if you don't have Yahshua, uh, if you don't believe in Yahshua, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, let me put it this way, you cannot really truly forgive uh, your offender. It has to happen after 70 times seven, or it's talking about 70 weeks, which is 70 times seven. It's talking about the time when Yahshua is coming and he is dying for our sins. And if we uh, read in uh, Jeremiah 31, 31, 35, he is saying that mm -hmm. he forgives our sin, not conditionally, but unconditionally, by grace, he forgives our sin. And that's what it means. And that's when we have his spirit, which is the spirit of forgiveness. He, uh, well, that's what he does. And the last thing I wanted to say, because I know it was before the question, uh, when I talk about forgiveness before, the question was asked, the people struggle with forgiveness. So forgiveness is a gift. It's a Yashu, which Yashu is given to us. And people may think, well, I still cannot forgive my offender. Many people were offended in the life. Please understand that forgiveness, to forgive, it means to give up claim to rec uh, requital. It's no longer want to punish them. So we still remember our offenders. We're still not happy with, or what, with what happened. We don't justify anything. But personally speaking, and I had the person who offended me greatly, I don't have uh, the desire to punish this person. I actually feel uh, pity for this person because I know that uh, uh, the uh, revenge is of Yahweh, and I don't want, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be nice with this person. But mm -hmm. if there is opportunity for me to tell this person about class, I will do it. Because we want everybody, including our enemies, for their souls to be saved. So thank you for your attention, and praise be to Yashua. Thank you, Dr. Akmelovich. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the president of our Oceanside class, Dr. Carl Emler. I, I am here. Um, 
uh, it's quite a, a baton to pick up uh, what both Bruce and Sasha have covered in this scripture reading. Um, Bruce laid the foundation of coming into class from the world, something we've all done in one way, shape, form, or manner. And then Sasha brought in the uh, struggles uh, that we in, endure um, after coming into this gospel, an understanding of this gospel. I want to go back to Daniel, where Sasha was, and I also want to go to, I think it's three, Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery, it's one of the Timothys, I think, right. yeah. yeah. First or second, is it? Well, second, I think. So, maybe. well, maybe the scripture reader will find out if they're right or wrong when they get to 2 Timothy 3.16. They know what I want. Uh, great is the mystery of godliness. So I want uh, both of those scriptures in hand, um, but give me Daniel first. Wanted it 24, Carl? Yes, where he started, where, where Sasha started yeah. reading. Daniel 9, 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy mm -hmm. and to anoint the most holy. Now, <laughs> uh, that is a mouthful. Mm -hmm. And if you follow that um, from beginning to end, you could walk down through the ages and dispensations of Yahweh's purpose. Mm -hmm. um, let me have Romans 1, 19 and 20. Then I'll do uh, Timothy. Okay. Romans. Romans. 119. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. All right, Reeb, hold on just for just a second. Um, Paul uh, is the premier example of this that Sasha was talking about and of this Daniel prophecy and the resultant of that prophecy after Pentecost. Uh, Paul is also uh, a, a premier example of the conversion of the substance that Yahweh has provided in this creation. Uh, I'm talking about now the attributes, the very stuff of our soul, the very stuff of our body, the very stuff of the creation we live in. These attributes 
that Yahweh has uh, used to um, bring forth the purpose. And, um, and it was perfect. Uh, it was good and very good in the day that he created it. Um, and, uh, but man, after the transgression, uh, manifested in the garden with Eve, uh, man has taken that that uh, Yahweh has provided, and as Sasha eloquently spoke, uh, engraved that into their own idol. This is what I think he meant by that. I think this is the way he is. This is what I think you need to do. All that Yahweh has said has been by the world, uh, a graven tool. And you read about that golden calf you see here uh, that came up uh, out of the earrings of the children of Israel. And then Aaron took a graven tool out of that and graved this golden calf. In other words, uh, it, well, you read it another place, and I, I don't want to waste a lot of time. You read it another place where they took their earrings and they put it in the fire and Yahweh brought forth um, this idol. Mm -hmm. And then you read it another place that Aaron graved on that idol. Mm -hmm. So even the very idol that Yahweh brought forth that they declared was from Egypt, they still had to have something to say about that. They still had to grave that image themselves. And so here's uh, uh, Paul, who knew the scriptures inside and out, just as Dr. Kinley knew the scriptures inside and out. And yet he formulated or graved on those with the help of Gamaliel and the rest of the Pharisees, an interpretation of the very scriptures that were produced to point out Yahshua, the Messiah. And um, what was graven on those scriptures was justification to persecute Yahshua, the Messiah after Pentecost. That is to say those um, apostles and followers of Yahshua. Uh, so it's just the opposite of what those scriptures and Yahweh's purpose were made for. This mystery of iniquity does 180 degrees. And you know we could go on and on about this 180 degree division or uh, uh, turning from the truth of Yahweh. But in Romans 1, 19 and 20, that which may be known of Yahweh, Yahweh manifested that in the children of Israel. Now, we have an example of that with this tabernacle manifested in the wilderness of Sinai, which was a physical representation of the um, body of Yahweh Elohim, uh, stripped down, if you will, uh, into simplicity uh, up there with Moses. They saw the Elohim of Israel, uh, and it was a body of heaven in its clearness, and upon, upon the children, he didn't lay a hand on, but they couldn't take that 
visionary shape and form and construct that in the wilderness. So they had to take the simplistic, uh, the tabernacle, Yahweh Elohim transfigured into that threefold intangible tabernacle. And that was constructed there in the wilderness. And that tabernacle, unlike that glorious body, that tabernacle could be understood. And so Yahweh uh, 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 made, read that again, Romans 119 and 20, read. I forgot Romans 119 and 20. <laughs> <laughs> because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh has showed it unto them. So Yahweh's done the showing. Yahweh's done the manifesting. And, um, and Yahweh is invisible. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. And so Yahweh Elohim made everything according to his own body. That is to say, he is the archetype original pattern of the universe. Right. And so everything, nothing escapes that pattern. And right. that pattern is the simplistic breakdown of that glorified body. And that glorified body of Yahweh Elohim, we know from uh, the, the scriptures, uh, particularly uh, Proverbs 8 and 22, that that's the glory of the father. In, in Proverbs 8 and 22, it's extremely important to recognize that what you have there is a conversation between Yahweh and the Son. There's only two there. It's, you know, we have a threefold tabernacle, but that conversation took place before the creations were brought forth. Yes. This is important to recognize because what you have in the very beginning, before the creations were brought forth, you have Yahweh Elohim stating who is doing the work. And so Yahweh Elohim, the glory of the Father, not the glory of the Son, the Son doesn't have any glory unless it's bestowed upon him by the Father. These things mm -hmm. are, uh, if we could actually perceive the importance of this relationship uh how yahweh because of his status and state of being absolutely impossible to envision uh as a whole without him taking on a shape and form so that you can see in part some aspect of that greater glory that is the uh, pure spirit state of Yahweh. This glory that Yahweh Elohim has that you read about in uh, uh, Proverbs 8 and 22 is a bucket out of the ocean of the glory of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And so we can appreciate in part uh, that uh, um, glory of the Father because the Father has bestowed that when he transmutated into that shape and form and brought with him an expression of his glory to the extent that can be understood in this purpose. Now, I know I've said a, a mouthful, but it's very uh, uh, important 
to follow this purpose coming on down through out of pure spirit into the super incorporeal and then into the physical creation. And because this uh, glory uh, that Yahweh Elohim has uh, is then in finality after 70 weeks um, uh, is made manifest as uh, Yahshua the Messiah that is Yahshua, the one who is coming to fulfill the promises given to Abraham back in the beginning. And Abraham represents Yahweh, the father, because Abraham and couched within Abraham was the great and precious promises that would be bestowed both on the Gentiles and the Jews. And so back in pure spirit, uh, Yahweh had uh, formulated those promises and carried them through uh, in both the Jews and the Gentiles. But when he uh, chose to make known his purpose, he had to separate out the Jews, the Hebrews, as an example, not as a reality, but as an example of a reality. And so these Jews in the wilderness of Sinai was not, uh, they were chosen to uh, be an example for us to understand something that still cannot be seen with your natural senses. And that is, uh, um, uh, I'll just give you the punchline. It's the righteousness of Yahweh that we're talking about. This Yahweh Elohim in Proverbs 8 and 22 the glory of the father, that's the righteousness of the father. And so this tabernacle, the whole sole purpose of this tabernacle was to bring righteousness to those who did not have righteousness. And so we find out in, and this is again, Romans 1, 19 and 20, and I'm just cutting this up, but this is Romans 1, 19 and 20, how uh, these Israelites in the wilderness of Sinai show forth uh, an invisible principle. So Yahweh says to them, he's given them this covenant and he says, it will be your righteousness if you can keep all the words of this covenant. And now we read over in Matthew, the 18th chapter, the um, uh, Yahshua is talking about the spiritual aspects of that righteousness when he's talking to Israel and Israel asks, uh, get that, oh gosh, uh, uh, Matthew 18 and one, the first verse of Matthew 18. Matthew, I'm going to try to get this together in 15 minutes, but just bear with me. Go ahead. At the same time came the disciples and Yahshua saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So now they want to know who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And this is what they're thinking. Who's the most right? Who's the most righteous? Who stands on that pedestal? In other words, uh, who is better than the other? Read. And Yahshua called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So before he even tells them about who is going to be greater in the kingdom, 
he tells what it takes to get into the kingdom. Mm. And they didn't ask that. They asked who was the greatest in the kingdom as though they were already a part of that. <laughs> and maybe even squabbling among themselves. They, we certainly know that they talked among themselves about who was the best or the most important disciple. And John was uh, uh, identified as someone who was closest to the Messiah. And Peter was identified as an elder. And they began ranking each other prior to Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it's sad to say that even now, down at this close end of the age, that uh, Yahweh's chosen at times uh, find themselves ranking each other uh, in terms of their uh, ability to manifest uh, the divine nature. Now, we're not conscious of that, that we're doing that, but when we um, do the kinds of things that Yahshua talks about as far as moving on in the 18th uh, chapter of Matthew, um, when they say, if you do one thing to this little one, uh, then you've done that to me. If you uh, can't forgive this little one, uh, if you can't be humbled as a child, you can't even enter the kingdom. And here they're already thinking that they're pretty smart because they're one of the 12. Uh, and uh, we have to understand, and this is what Sasha even talked about, my gosh, um, about these elements of uh, the tabernacle that came up out of Egypt that were initially in the hands of the Egyptians created into uh, a form of worship of an idol. And they, Israel borrowed all these things and brought them into the wilderness and then melted them down to make the uh, uh, vessels of the tabernacle, including the, the veils and the boards and all of this. But what we didn't do with respect to that analogy that Sasha brought forth is we didn't bring those elements back to where they came into the hands of the Egyptians. And that is that Yahweh uh, uh, created a famine in the land. And, uh, and Yahweh provided to Pharaoh through Joseph uh, uh, an explanation. First, he provides to Pharaoh a vision or a dream. And then he provides to Pharaoh someone who has the Holy Spirit because uh, what Joseph says is, uh, you know, only uh, Elohim, Yahweh Elohim can answer that. Tell me your vision. That's the way that it reads back there. Uh, just as Isaiah uh, didn't say, you, you, you know, it was Yahweh Elohim who spoke first person through Isaiah, first person through Ezekiel, first person. Moses spoke first person to Israel because in every case, it was the spirit of Yahweh Elohim in them. It was Yahweh Elohim in them uh, doing the work and, and speaking that way. So here Yahweh Elohim is setting forth the very beginning of his purpose uh, uh, in order to establish us to understand the very things that Sasha presented to you. And that is 
that uh, uh, they, Israel up in Canaan's land were uh, suffering the, the, the uh, uh, famine as well. And so what did they do? They purchased grain. So what they did was they brought gold down to Pharaoh and gave them gold for grain. Pharaoh took that gold, which uh, as Sacha talked about was an element without any shape and form in a sense. It was just the purchase price. And uh, they took that and they made idols out of that. So it was Yahweh's attributes of intelligence, knowledge, and wisdom, and uh, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. These attributes are the original substance from which Yahweh um, uh, formed Yahweh Elohim from. And that's the first idol ever made. And that was to be worshiped. Uh, Yahweh Elohim was to be worshiped and there's none of, there's none other. There's only mm -hmm. Yahweh Elohim in these creations that can be seen and be worshiped. Now it's Yahweh Elohim, it's Yahweh in that shape and form who is worthy to be, to be worshiped. And that's the only one because that's his invisible attributes now brought into a shape and form that you can see and you can understand the function of it. Because in this wilderness of Sinai, that the, the, the tabernacle had a function because what we read about this first covenant that Moses received uh, from uh, uh, Yahweh uh, that he brought down as the second tables of stone to go into this uh, tabernacle, uh, that was the declared righteousness of Yahweh for the purpose during which the example is being made manifest. That is to say, Yahweh said to Israel and to Israel alone, it would be your righteousness if you can do all the things contained under this law. And later he confirms that by saying that if you break one of these things, you've broken them all because it is a single body of righteousness. And Yahweh Elohim is the declared righteousness of the Father. So now we know a little bit about righteousness and we know a little bit about the manifestation of righteousness. And we know a little bit about the fact that in the manifestation, none were found righteous because it is by the divine wisdom of Yahweh that he's going to show forth the invisible principle of his righteousness by the things that are made, but not make the things that are made to be the righteousness, because if that was the case, then you'd have to obtain to the things that were made in order to have the true righteousness of Yahweh. This righteousness, this tabernacle, this law, these are all types and shadows. Israel, Yahweh's chosen people, types and shadows. Now, go back over to uh, 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 924 of Daniel. And then I want Timothy uh, to uh, first uh, Timothy. Yeah. So Dan, Daniel first. Daniel and we're going to read this and just and just there's only like about eight minutes left. So uh, but read and follow every word of this Daniel and following find yourselves coming down 
through these ages and dispensations from the uh, uh, manifestation into the principle. So go ahead. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. And those are that seven days of creation where Yahweh finally rested on the Sabbath. Read on. To finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. Now the transgression started in the garden. They were at rest in there. They, they, time hadn't started. It was, a, they, they had to wait till the cool of the day to be sent out. That sun wasn't setting and rising uh, back there in that day. That was the day, and you read about that in Revelation, that the lamb is the light thereof, and there is no darkness in that day. And that's why the sun wasn't rising and setting with Adam and Eve back there as the type for the recognition of what the kingdom is like uh, that you read about uh, in Revelation. And so uh, as soon as the transgression came, now we're stepping out of that and right. uh, uh, heading now towards uh, the reconciliation of that transgression. But so reread that uh, again, Sharon. From the beginning? Yeah. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression. So that's finishing the transgression and Adam and Eve is starting the transgression. So you know, we're talking about Pentecost. I mean, we know that. The world doesn't know that. They do not know this prophecy. All right, Sharon, read on. And to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. And that's the, the Sabbath, to anoint the most holy. And uh, you know that that anointing takes place, you see, on that day of atonement. And the, it ends up being uh, on the third trip uh, facing the mercy seat. And that is the throne of grace. We don't have time to talk about the throne of grace, but look up the throne of grace and, and recognize that. Uh, and, and that's why grace is so important because the type was works and Yahweh made, made it quite well known that works won't cut it. Now, so we've looked at sin and we've looked at righteousness and we understand that Yahweh Elohim is the declared righteousness of the father, not mm -hmm. the works of the law, not going into a a temple or a, a, a church and sprinkling people with holy water and then going up and taking a Lord's Supper and kneeling down and standing up and all of these workings. Uh, I know myself when I went into a church as a young child and walked around and looked at everything and just by myself in this big old building, all the doors were always unlocked and you could do that anytime you wanted to in Rochester. And I was down in Central uh, Central Park there in downtown Rochester. And they have that big church at the uh, one of the sides of Central Park there. And I just went in there and I immediately felt a sense of holiness. And, you know, you just were reverent within your own soul because it was so overwhelming. That is not, that is a fabrication of righteousness that yes. lines the hearts and minds of men. Now, uh, uh, give me Timothy, uh, uh, Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, 
great is the mystery of holiness. Now, there's no controversy because the vision in Revelation has declared it. That's, there's no controversy if you've had a revelation. But there is a controversy if you've got a graving tool and you're trying to figure out what it is. But it says, without controversy, great is the righteousness of Yahweh. We read godliness. But if you dig into those words and recognize what it's referring to, it's the righteousness of Yahweh. And Yahweh Elohim is the righteousness of Yahweh. And that's why Dr. Skinley goes, great is this heavenly shape and form. Yahweh Elohim, the righteousness of the Father. See, now right. read that with righteousness, Reeb. And without controversy, great is the righteousness of Yahweh. Yahweh was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Now, so, and I hate, I, I don't want to be a jerk about this, but because we're dealing with this absolute shape and form of Yahweh alone being the righteousness of the father and that's what can be known about it then that would be uh great is the righteousness of Yahweh for Yahweh Elohim was manifested and I'm just not trying to be a jerk about it but I'm just trying to bring it down through the way it's come down through uh the scriptures uh particularly there in in uh uh Proverbs 8 and 22 so go ahead, Reba, try it with that. Yahweh Elohim was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now I know it's Yahweh who's done that, but this is Yahweh doing that through this heavenly body that he transmuted into. Because it says he was seen of angels. And Yahweh, pure spirit, was not seen of angels. But then again, it is once the reality of that shape and form takes on uh, a reality in your heart. Now you're seeing invisible things through the things that are made. And this is something that I see this five minutes. I'm sorry. This is something that uh, Yahweh has made. Uh, that's the, and over there in the eighth chapter of Hebrews, uh, the tabernacle that Yahweh pitched and not man. And so that God who pitched that tabernacle is Yahweh and the tabernacle is Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh pitched and not man. And then when you get into uh, this, uh, and I'll just finish with this, when you get into this uh, uh, 18th chapter of Matthew, to me, that chapter is always a very hard chapter to read because it puts us all in a tight spot because it's clear that what he says in there is absolutely true that if Yahweh Elohim if Yahweh himself took on that shape and form of righteousness and salvation and he uh, 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 submitted himself to a death in order that the creations might have life, then you are, and you say you see that, I'm going to use this harsh term, but you have an obligation. You have an obligation to lay down your life for your brethren. And you have an obligation to put them first before you. And that's how this whole chapter 
reads in 18 Matthew, and it's tough because we are brought into this world to be on top. We're brought into this world to be competitive with our brethren, uh, physically so. We're brought into this world that the only thing that matters to us is that we're right about something that, yeah, well, at least I know, at least I got this right. Uh, and you got, you just don't have anything right. And that's the humility that is required in order to receive the righteousness of Yahweh. So with that, um, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Emler. We'd like to thank everybody who has participated in our Zoom class today. And we'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.